warning. This podcast features adult subject matter, adult language, and things not meant for children to hear. Viewer discretion is advised. You've been warned. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of I'm No Joe, the podcast where every armchair quarterback can feel like an Eddie Bravo. Today, I'm joined by my buddy, the one and only Pike himself. Thank you again for having, or for, uh, for having, for being here with me again today, buddy. No, thank you for having me, my man. So, what I figured we would do here today real quick. I figured we would run down the last couple of UFC fight nights. Well, the two fight nights in the UFC on Fox. Since we've got the uh, the big fight coming up this weekend, fights rather, with uh, DJ and TJ both putting their belts on the line, I figured we'd take this time to recap the last couple of fight nights and then the uh, Eddie versus Dustin UFC on Fox. All right, let's do this one, man. All right, so first things first, we're going to go back to Boise right off the bat. Jessica Aguilar versus Jody Escabel. That was a tough fight. It was a close fight. It went to the judges for a reason. In my eyes, though, and, and I just went back and rewatched all these, all three of these uh, events this morning for a little refresher. In my opinion, Jessica did good, but Jody was the aggressor. She put the pressure on more. She was more elusive. Her strikes were a little more balanced, even if Jessica did get a little more on the total number. It felt like Jody's shots were a little more planned, a little more technical, and they were doing a little more damage, even if it did, you know, go to the judges themselves. No, I mean, that's why they have the rules the way they do. I mean, it's, uh, well, how do they come across? It's uh, octagon control followed by striking, uh, effective striking, effective grappling, and then aggressiveness, I think. I think that's yeah. how it comes across. Yeah, I think you're right. So uh, it, when it comes to that, it's, you can have octagon control the whole time, but effective striking is going to just trump that all day. And some fighters rely on that. Absolutely, they, they really do. Yeah, I, I think that I think that this might have been a case of, of what that was, is that Jody was in there just you know, cleaning, cleaning Jessica's fucking clock, but it just, from appearances' sake, I can see how the judges might have called that on the the, uh, the striking over the octagon control, maybe. Well, even some judges just look at, like, everybody's seen bad judging. It happens. And some of the fights we're going to talk about, it happened. And they, they look at the, the fighter themselves at the end of the round, and they're like, oh, that person got beat up way more. You know? True. I think that's my, my, my feeling on it. Is that's what happens. Like, somebody gets bloodied up. I mean, the smallest cut in your face is going to bleed, especially with all those lights on you. Uh, look at just example, WWE. Uh, whenever they get cut in the face, just a little nick on the forehead, there's copious amounts of blood just coming down your face. And that's what the cut men are for. You know, they put some pressure, put some Vaseline, depending on how bad the cut is, and they can stop the bleeding. And in other cases, you can't stop the bleeding. True. But I, I mean, I didn't watch this fight, so I feel bad for having a word in the say of it. But oh no! But uh, from there, we can move right on down the line. Uh, the next fight, um, I didn't know it at the time, but it was De La Rosa versus Garcia. Uh, De La Rosa is actually the husband of. Tough 27 finale, uh, Montana De La Rosa, who won her fight on the opening card. It's her husband, and he won his fight on the opening card. So it was like a, uh, a precedent was set and followed by the husband and wife on their two precedented event showings and winnings right out the gate. I thought that was pretty cool. I think that's the first time that's probably happened, too. I think, I think it was the first time that a husband and wife both made their debut and won both their debuts simultaneously like that. No, I agree. I mean, it's it's cool that those two people can share their love of the sport together and be successful. In my right. Opinion. I, I that's agree. Something, that's something that will never be taken away from them, you know? Even if they that's, go three and out their next three fights and they get cut, they'll always have, like, hey, remember when. 
Absolutely, because there are a lot of couples like Smiling Sam Alvey. His wife is in his corner, and she does a lot of his management stuff. Amanda Nunez and, and Nina Ansaroff are, are training partners and, and, you know, married couple. Uh, Tisha uh, Torres, Tisha Raquel. Torres, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's several couples that are both, you know, in or at least have something to do with it. But I think, I think this might have been the first time that husband and wife fighters won back-to-back like that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So, next one. I know you said you didn't get to catch this one either. Um, in my opinion, you didn't really miss much. Uh, Liz Carmouche versus Jen Maya. Um, this is another one. Like, it, it went to the judges, but in my opinion, this one deserved to go to the judges. Like, neither one of those ladies looked like they had any hustle. Neither one of those ladies looked like they had that fire inside of them. And we're talking about two ladies in the top ten here who are chasing the belt, you know, trying to make their move up for their title shot. And it looked like both of them were just in a Saturday afternoon exhibition match. Like, neither one of them really gave a damn. And I don't know. It, it felt like this – to me, this is definitely one of those cards – or those fights, rather, that was on the prelim card for a reason. And it shouldn't have been, but it was. Yeah, but that being said, you, you really have no idea how the weight cut went for those girls or women, if you will. And right. everybody has off days. You know, like some people, you're either on it or you're not. And they right. could have both just been off. Right, um, right. But at the same time, the odds of two fighters both having that detrimental of a weight cut, especially when they're already in the top ten, so presumably they should be somewhat, you know, adjusted to that that type of a cut. Well, seems I mean, like <laughs> my my response to that would be look at Johnny Hendricks. You know, he was a champion for three or four fights, and then after he lost, he had a problem making weight and had to move up weight class. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, true. That's, that's besides the point, I mean, it's your professional. They're professionals. They should be ready to fight on fight day. Right. Well, that and, and Johnny Hendricks allegedly had a lot more going on than just the weight cut that was giving him issues, too. Those uh, Mexican supplements, if you will, apparently played a whirlwind <laughs> on his system till USADA got around. <laughs> yeah. Don't trust your management. They come to, hey, take this. <laughs> yeah, no shit, no shit. <laughs> oh, all right. But moving right along here, uh, the next fight, Khabib's cousin, Nurmagomedov versus Justin Scroggins. This is one of those fights, I feel like it was another, it went to the judge's decision and it shouldn't have, but because it went to the judge's decision, they looked more at the visual aspect of the fight than what was actually being done because it was a, a predominantly a, a grappling and, a, and a, a a position attacking and defending fight there was a lot of wrestling going on a lot of close quarter combat a lot of phone booth boxing and Nurmagomedov was he was you know he looked it but I, I think Scroggins was really the one doing the most work was was putting in the good defense was getting his shots when he could but they gave it to Nurmagomedov again. It's one of those judges things I keep talking about. Yeah, no, I mean, it could also be the name thing or, I mean. Well, and he was with him too. That was the other thing is that Khabib came yeah, to yeah. the ring with Khabib him. Was in his, yeah, Khabib was in his corner. Yeah, and I wondered, I wondered, because we all know that some of these judges are, are just shit or garbage. And if they're easily influenced, like, there's a couple people that have got stories about talking to those judges after an event about a specific fight, and they had no idea what was actually happening in the fight during the fight. So it's completely plausible that, you know, having that star power of seeing Khabib, the champion, walk out with his, his brother, or cousin, rather, might have been enough to sway him in the end. And that's why I think they should have uh, retired or actual just fighters being judges. Like, look at... Uh announcing you know you got dc you got dominic cruz you got paul felder all these guys are now announcing they should get fighters and they're judging or become somehow legalized to be a judge and they know what they're looking at and look and they know what to look for i agree i agree completely and that's and that's one of those things that it's starting to get kind of talked about a lot more is that the judging system shouldn't just be the same way that it was for boxing it should be made of actual either ex-professionals or like current referees people who aren't actively involved or don't have a stake in the fighting world but have enough knowledge to be able to call out things that the average layperson may not right no i agree I, and i mean i've been i i amateur fought 
and uh, I've helped coach some people. And when you're at ringside, it's a whole lot different than watching on TV <laughs> or out in the out in the fan. It really is. It's, it's I believe it's it. Different. No, okay. but that was. I mean, that that was a good fight, though. I mean, I, I give yeah. props to both men. It absolutely I was. I, mean, I know. I know what Justin Scoggins can do. I've been watching him for a long time, but it was. Khabib's cousin. I look forward to seeing him rise in the rankings and basically be uh, be, be Khabib in a, in a lighter weight class. Yeah, absolutely. He did very much from the way that his his style came across, and and likewise, I've been a fan of Scroggins for a while now, and the way that that uh, Nurmagomedov was was putting the pressure on him and trying to kind of twist angles at him constantly, it very much was like Khabib 2.0, like a smaller version. In my opinion, maybe even a little better because he seemed to be willing to get out of the grappling and go back to striking a little more frequently than Khabib tends to. Yeah, Khabib, Khabib he's a grappler's grappler. You know what I mean? He is. But, he's a wrestle fucker. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he, I know this is off topic, but Khabib does what he's great at, and you can't stop it. That's true. And that's why he's so successful. I agree. I agree. Later, because uh, the whole Poirier call, but that'll come later. <laughs> right. Yeah. Ab- absolutely. Absolutely. So, <laughs> pushing past that one, the next fight almost seemed to me kind of like a, uh, almost like a bad Xerox copy of that fight, and that was Volkanovski versus Darren Damage Elkins. Elkins is another one of those. I've been following him for a long time. Him and Tim Absolutely. Means, really, in my opinion, they put those fucking close quarter elbows really on the UFC map. Well, his name is Damage for two reasons. You know, <laughs> like, he, he puts the damage on you, but he has all that scar tissue in his face because he's taken oh, yeah. so much damage. And I think this is why he got the nickname because he's taken so much damage over the year, the years, and he just pushes forward and grinds. Yeah, and it never uh, stops him. <laughs> No, absolutely, and he, he but he got rocked a couple times in that fight, if I remember correctly. Yes, and, yes, uh, yes, he did. That did not stop him. You know, he he would he gained his wits very quickly. That's yeah. That's one of the things that, and a lot of people don't realize that. That's one of the reasons that I love Darren Elkins so much is not just the fact that he can dish out a lot of damage in a real short amount of time. Or the fact that he has got, despite all the scar tissue that opens up fairly easily, he's got a chin made of fucking granite, and that man can take some shots. But and the movie, the movie Team Alpha Male has done wonders for his wrestling. I'm not not to say he wasn't a great wrestler before or right. met his game plan, but to go against all the talent they have there, all it done is elevated his fight game. Absolutely, and that's that's exactly what I'm saying. The thing that he's got the most of that people underappreciate is his agility. That man, aside from being a damage taker and giver, is just quick in his movements, getting in and out, whether it's into a fucking takedown, going after the single leg, that quick trip and throw, or just a fucking quick one-two, and then he's off the center line and three steps to your left, back on the bike again before you realize it. That guy is just fucking agility in a tiny little fucking wind-up doll almost. No, it was that was another close fight that uh, I think the judges messed up. I agree. I agree. And that that fight is like I said, it, it seems to me like a bad Xerox of that Scroggins Nurmagomedov Medoff fight because both of them were so close that it could have gone either way. But I feel like in both cases that the decision was just a little off in my in my eyes at least. Yeah. So. No, I, Hundred percent, man. I have nothing to get. I have nothing to rebuttal with what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> so moving right along from there, the next one. One of the main reasons that I personally was super stoked to watch Boise, the return of Alpha Cat Zingano coming back. Holy shit! That girl, for as long as she has been off and as much shit as she has done since she was in the ring, she looked fucking spectacular. She has not hardly lost a step. And I think, and, I think with a little bit more training, because she's in a whole new camp now, I think with a little bit more time with those guys, I think her next fight is going to be a serious fucking problem for whoever she's no, against. I agree. And some, some people with the time off, it uh, causes ring rust. I think for her it was a refresher. You know, I, she, I, I think so as well. Her kids, I think, three or four years old, you know, some good mommy-daddy mommy time at home. Yep. 
uh, I think it rejuvenated her. You know, she, yeah. she realized what she's fighting for. Well, and I think a combination of taking the time off with the kid and then going to the new camp, she's in her old ways of, of fighting, but she's in a whole new set as far as training in this particular camp. And she said that the changeup that she got from this camp wasn't a complete, you know, start from scratch session, but it was a new enough thing of what she knew that it kind of got her brain sparked and rolling again back into that early mode that she was alpha cat. No, I, I agree. Uh, absolutely. Okay. And then after Alpha Cat's crazy fucking three round brawl, Chad fucking Mendez versus Miles Jury. Like, Miles Jury's another one of those dudes that's long and lean and that'll catch you with a fucking elbow out of nowhere that I've been a fan of for a hot minute now. And Chad Mendez, even though he did enough to put that dude down, he looks so drastically different now compared to before both Connor put him down and USADA started showing up because he's another one that's had rumors about those Mexican supplements that are in his fucking medicine cabinet. And now all of a sudden after USADA shows up and then Connor put him to fucking bed, he's, his whole physique has changed and it seems like his whole style has changed now. No, I, I agree. Mendez, he did look great. in uh, what is it? Uh, I don't know if you watched the Tuesday Night Contenders uh, series, but Team Alpha Male had acquired a new wrestling coach not too long ago, and he actually fought Nick Newell. And uh, nice. He the I'm losing my train of thought. The, the new wrestling coach hadn't fought for about two years, came in and he dominated Newell for three rounds. But I think his implementation of the wrestling skills and knowledge that he has has changed the whole Alpha Male mentality with how they go about their fighting nice and you know is as much as everybody wants to hate on alpha male and granted they do bring a lot of that on themselves for the shit that they talk as much as people want to hate on them they really do legitimately have a good camp up there for for the sake of the camp you know i mean they have a lot of big names there yeah and And there's there's a reason for that too and they have a lot of up-and-comers coming out of that camp as well absolutely I'm not, I'm not a huge follower of the California fight card or fight scene, but I know the majority of it are team alpha male prospects. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Sorry, I, and go then, on, I go on tangents. Yeah. I apologize. <laughs> You're good, brother. You're good. <laughs> so the next one, holy shit. I don't understand how this is still getting like ESPN fucking highlight reels played of it. That Nico Price heard, hammer fist. I'll never forget this fight. I'll never forget this fight. Yeah, that fucking Nico Price hammer fist from an upside-down triangle. Not only was he hammer fisting, but if you watch, he had his foot hooked on old boy's head, and as he hammer fisted, he was bringing his foot in. So it was pressure from both sides. Yeah, so he was catching him. Yeah, so which is why I believe he got knocked out after three hits. Because it was like one two, three, and that third one, oh boy, was out. Yeah, you saw the lights just click and the whole thing just kind of shut down on him, but that's that might have been one of the greatest stoppages, and he knew exactly what he was doing because he stopped as soon as Homeboy dropped and just looked at the ref like, yo. Well, he said whole body weight go limp on him. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. And that is not a position that normally the bottom guy is uh, dominating from. Yeah, it's definitely generally not advantageous to be on a bottom in that situation. <laughs> no, that again, like I said, that that'll be a fight I never forget. And that knockout, I remember watching it, and I was like, oh, "Holy shit!" Yeah, just happened. Yep. <laughs> and, and Nico Price went a a little off the rails. He's like, "I'm dangerous from everywhere. Don't ever count me out." And it's like, uh, not not that he got lucky, but I think. I agree. He did the right thing at the right time. Yeah, I I agree. If he had, like, his last three fights in a row had finishes like that, I think that it would have warranted that I'm dangerous from anywhere speech. I think this might have been one of those situations, like uh, I had talked about a couple episodes back, where he was so fucking pumped up with adrenaline when that microphone got put in front of him that he just kind of, like, went WWE for a minute on it. (laughs) And that seemed to be the trend, uh... And, and and I also believe 
that's your, that's your time and place to do call. Like when when you get that mic put in your face and they're like, "What do you want next?" and the humble guys are like, "Hey, I'll do whatever the UFC tells me to do." That's not going to get you a title fight. You know what I mean? And, and Very true. Stephen Miocic is, is, a, is a prime example of that. For the longest time, he had no voice in the octagon, and once he started talking shit and was like, "Hey, this is my time. I'm here for the title." You got a title shot. You know what I mean? Right. So right. When, when that mic's in your, that mic's in your face, adrenaline will make you say some things that you look back and you're like, "Man, I can't believe I said that." Right. Or you want right. they don't remember what they said because they were so hopped up on adrenaline. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> so, I, ironically enough, that fight that had both of us and you know thousands and thousands of fans on the edge of our fucking seats was immediately followed by Glenn versus Bermudez, which might have been the most snoozeworthy, boring fight I have seen in the last <laughs> 10 fucking years. And How really, Dennis Glenn Bermudez... Have, like, Glenn doesn't have fights like that normally. Well, neither does Bermudez. Like, in the last five years alone, I can't think of a boring Bermudez fight. There have been some odd ones, but never a boring fight like that. I can't remember... Which is his last fight, but I remember the last fight I saw Bermudez and he got knocked out. Uh, but, it might have been his last fight, I can't remember, but I think if that was, that's probably why yeah. he fought the way he did, because he was afraid of getting put to sleep again. I, I think that absolutely has a lot to play in it, and I think I think I remember the fight you're talking about, and he, I think he, if that's the last one that I'm thinking of, he got clipped, going yeah. cocky. And then and he, dropped. He, he, went face, he went face down. Yeah, yeah. And, and I agree. I think that might have been a part of play in it. And I think if you, if you think back about it, that seems to be the going trend here in the UFC lately. And a great example of that on another scale is Nganu. Because oh, yeah. he was the guy who fucked everybody up. He sent Overeem into fucking orbit. And then he went up against Stipe. Talk about boring fights, my man. That, yeah. Uh, Derek Lewis and Ngannou fight, that was more boring than watching Ray Glenn and Bermudez go at it. Well, look at look at what Ngannou did right before Stipe. He sent Overeem into fucking orbit, and then yeah. Stipe worked him like a part-time job for a full five rounds and fucked him up a couple times real hard. And all of a sudden, Ngannou's not this steam train that he used to be just putting hands on everybody and hurting him because he caught Stipe a couple times. And he walked right the fuck through it. I, I would bet money Ngannou's next fight is a complete opposite. And, and that's one of those things that he, he actually made a, a fucking, uh, what do you call it, a Twitter, a big Twitter tribute thing right after the fight. He made this big, like, Hallmark card with a giant spiel on it about how this is not him. The next fight will be the complete opposite that he took too much of the previous loss with him into this fight. I, I know we're on a tangent again, but Derek Lewis is in those chump. Derek Lewis is a brawler. He yes. has power. If, yes. you, if, you, if you get into a fucking uh, brawling match with Derek Lewis, he's going to clip you and he's going to drop you. You know what I mean? But and, at the same uh, time, just like Francis, he's got no fucking gas tank either. But he's been working on that. Like He took, he took some time off uh, before this fight. He took, I think, six months. Yep. Or uh, eight months or so. And yep. uh, I, he's another way. He's like a Roy Nelson. He's got that big old belly, but boy can fight. And yeah. I think I think cardio is one of the things he's been working on. And uh, the next fight, Derek Lewis, obviously he won, so he's going to go up and he's going to fight, fight higher. Yep, I agree. Which I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Derek Lewis versus JDS. You know, that wouldn't that wouldn't really be a bad fight in my opinion. Because that gives, you know, Lewis a chance to try and put a, you know, veritable name former, on his belt. A, a former champ. You know, if you can beat a former champ, that's... Yeah. Again, that's, like, that's big. Yeah, yeah, it is. And that gives JDS, the, if he can win, the proven ground of saying, hey, I just beat this guy who's in the top five. Very true. Very true. So let me get my, let me try and get my belt back. <laughs> <laughs> we're on total we're on tangents all left and right <laughs> we are we are all right so dial, dialing back here <laughs> the next fight after that fucking snooze fest of a bermuda's nightmare super safe I, I would call this a great fight absolutely uh, i think that's what super, sage needed super sage came in and got clipped 
And uh, in, in his post my interview, he was like, I wasn't hurt. Motherfucker, you were almost knocked the fuck out, but you, you recovered quickly. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, he, he got it, but I – and I was – arguing with the commentators during most of that because they kept talking about how great Northcutt looked doing this and how great Northcutt looked doing that. And then, like you said, he was getting clipped cleanly. Granted, he was given as well as he was getting, but he was getting clipped left and right like he didn't mind. Well, that hey, shit still adds up, man. Hey, I'm on my backtrack. Here's another fighter that switched to Team Alpha Male, and he's the largest guy, I think, in their camp. And it has done dividends for his career by switching to a team with such experience, not just letting your daddy train you, but going right. to a team where your dad takes the back seat and you have, you have experienced coaches, you have former champions teaching you and showing you, Hey, this is what the deal is. And I think that made a huge difference in how he won that fight. Well, and tied directly to that, that's actually one of the things that a lot of people have been saying about the guy that he was brought into Alpha Male originally to replicate, and that's Wonder Boy. Because Wonder Boy, just like Sage, has always been trained by his father. And after the two decisions against fucking Woodley, and then this mediocre showing last time out, a lot of people are saying, like, yo, maybe it's time to let your dad take a fucking backseat and go get an actual camp where there's, you know, an entire team of people, not just your dad and his buddies who are putting you through the paces for the camp. I, I won't comment on the two Woodley fights, but I, I feel like uh, <laughs> Wonder Boy, he fought in a fight he should have against uh, Till. Yep. But, but when Till clipped him, that's all the judges needed to see. was like, all right, you won the fight. That was the biggest strike of the fight. And it was at home, too, for Till. Right. You're a, that's a huge – that's huge. Yeah, that combination uh, – but now you see, I mean, shit, as soon as, soon as that fucking bell rings, fucking uh, Colby Chubb Covington is going to get uh, stripped of his little title. You know, yep. and it's either going to be Tyron or Till. And I, I believe Till is going to be the bigger, stronger man, and I think he's going to take that fight. I agree. I agree very much, and it makes me happy on two fronts. One, because it's going to get Woodley's whiny ass out of the championship seat where he needs to be removed for a while now. And two, it's going to take that little fake piece of ego boost right off of Colby's fucking shoulders and put him back in the line with the rest of the fucking window lickers where he belongs. Well, if you look, Darren, Darren Till's the light heavyweight. Uh, mm -hmm. I'll tell you that straight up. He, he, that guy should be fighting at 205. Yes, he should. Easily. Easily. Well, they were talking about it out of fight, like, out in, with no fights on the horizon when he's just walking around in between camps. He walks around at 210. Yeah, he's a big guy. So, uh, yeah, for him cutting all the way down there, I agree. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, when, when one person says, I want to be a multi-class multi, multi uh, champion, like Darren Till says it, I, I actually believe him. Yeah, believe he's, he he's definitely got the possibility. I believe he can go to 85 and he can win a title. Yeah, I think I, so too. I don't, know if he can go, I don't know if he can get all three at one time, which is what his goal is, but there's no doubt in my mind that he can move up and wait because all he's going to do is gain more power that less of a weight that he has to make. That's true. That's very you true. Know, he's he's going to be faster. He's going to be stronger. He's gonna yeah, be more gas tank. Yeah, he's going to be meaner because, which is, I guess, my way of saying gas tank because there's, there's no – I'm not searching for a word. Uh, he's going to be a better fighter with the less weight he has to cut, which right. happens with everybody. I mean, that's just the way the fighting world is. You cut weight because you want to be the bigger, stronger fighter in a certain weight class. You're going to lose some. You're going to lose some assets. Absolutely. Okay, so last card events, the main event. Of Boise, JDS versus the madman who's been stabbed in the heart and came back to keep fucking fighting. <laughs> now, I will give the utmost respect for that man because when he got literally stabbed in the heart, he held a press conference from the hospital after he was in a coma for 83 days and said, this injury won't stop me. I'll be back. And then this night, he got to fight Junior Dos Santos, for fuck's sake. So props for climbing back from a fucking bad situation. 
Yeah, well, a lot of guys, that'll, that'll end a lot of careers. I mean, that'll end a lot I mean, of lives. <laughs> I've never been stabbed in the heart, but I, I would say that'd take a, uh, a huge effect on my life. Right. And uh, you can tell fighting is his life by coming back. Well, being the champion in World Series of Fighting, if I believe, is uh, the. the uh, yeah, that's where he came over from. And uh, to, to do that, I mean, I know he didn't. I think the the quote-unquote bright lights of the UFC kind of fucked him up a little bit. I agree. But he, he, got his, he, got his, he got his feet wet, and I think the next fight he has, he's going to dominate in, in how he actually fights, and he'll be moving up the rankings uh, very quickly. Like, this, this was a love-hate fight for me. Um, I love to see him in there, and he definitely gave JDS a fucking handful. That's for sure. But at the same time, do you really want your fucking introduction to the UFC world to be JDS? No, I, I wouldn't. That's a horrible first fight to make for anybody just coming into the organization. You know, World Series of Fighting Champ or not, that's a bad first fight to make. And, and I agree. I think the next time he steps in the octagon, as long as it's not against JDS again, I think he's going to have that experience kind of flash through to him, and I think he's going to get well, right into where he needs to be. JDS came off a big uh, layoff uh, for this fight. It's very true. Uh, but again, I think this is like just like going back to Casagano. Uh, for him, I think it was the same deal. You know, he had a son. He uh, he's, a, he's a happy father, you know. They showed the whole little yeah being a dad, and I think that really is a big deal to him, you know, to to, to be a father and to know what he's fighting for. So, well, and, and, and like you said with Zinganu, he also changed camps with the kid as well. So he did the yeah. the exact same thing. Had a kid, took time off, changed camps, and then came back and looked great, just like Zingano. a good fight uh I, I wouldn't say it was boring but it wasn't it didn't have you on the edge of your seat i i agree i, I think it was kind of a tune-up fight for jds in that he knew that ivanovsky wasn't going to be ready for his caliber of fighting and on the same token if he somehow clipped jds and was ready for him that's going to vault you into the ufc so oh absolutely I, I can see both sides of it, but it was still a great fight for what it was. That was, I mean, that was a pretty good card. That, that was what, two, three, two, three, three weeks ago? Yeah, three weeks ago. Man, time flies. Yeah, I'm telling you, especially when, like now, we've got UFCs every weekend, and we've got, you know, another great one coming up this weekend as well. This has been a great summer of UFC fights. I'm not, there's no doubt in my mind that this has probably been the best summer of UFC fights I've watched in a very long time. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, real quick, I want to talk about Hamburg for just a second here. Weird stacked card. Really, the only two fights that I want to talk about on the whole thing are Glover versus Corey Anderson. Like and Smith and, and Hua. And, yeah, and Smith and Hua. Like, Corey versus Glover... Like, I get it. I get it. You won. But really, to call out DC, like, I'm ready for my title shot. Well, well, Come that, on. That, that came out even before the fight happened. It was like DC was calling out Glover Tashira. Like, hey, you should get the next title shot. So, And in my, in my mind, if Corey Anderson beats Glover, and I, I can see, I kind of agree with Corey Anderson on this one. Just because it's like he got looked over, and that's that's a huge uh, backhanded compliment. You know, it's like uh, you're not you're not going to win this fight. Glover Teixeira, he's he's been waiting in line long enough. And yeah. Corey Anderson, I, again, I think this is a night where Glover Teixeira had an off night because Corey Anderson dominated Glover Teixeira in grappling, which should never really happen. <laughs> It blew my mind watching that fight. I was like, holy yeah. shit, I yep. can't believe it was happening. Yep. And, and Tashira just looked off. And, I mean, not to make excuses for the guy, because, I mean, I can't do that. I don't know him. We're not on speaking terms. And he, Glover Tashira is one of those guys, even after the fight and he lost, he took an interview being like, hey, uh, this wasn't my night. You know, like, I have yep. to look and I have to rewatch this fight and see what happened and, and take a step back and to go forward. 
And that's why I, I wanted to go over, go over to Sherry because he's, he's a real person when it comes to that. Absolutely. And, and to that extent, literally on my, my cheat sheet of notes that I make for the fights here, next to Glover's performance, I literally wrote, meh. It, it wasn't a great performance for him. And, and that's what I meant by, like, really calling the, the DC out for the title shot because it's not that I don't think Corey deserves it. Corey's a badass, and he's proven that time and time again. What I mean Corey by that Anderson. is I, I don't think – go ahead. I think Corey Anderson cannot be DC. Yeah, yeah. But even even aside from that, I don't think that DC was, was sincere or genuine in saying that Glover deserves – the title shot like granted he's been around he's had some victories but i don't think if you look at his last five fights in a row any one of them will stand out as enough well, to say title shot worthy glover hasn't had a title shot period right and and the you can has, see why in his performances dc beat anthony johnson who knocked out to shira in, in a matter of minutes yep you know uh but Glover's got hands and he's got grappling skills. So, I mean, I, DC's been shown that he can get, take a punch, but I don't know if I'd want to get punched by Glover. You know what I mean? Very true. Very when true. When he catches you with a step in? When he's on his game. Is, yeah. You know what I mean? When, he, when he's got his shoot-a-box style and he gets that step-in fucking bull charge shot that just puts dudes to sleep. He's got a yeah, highlight short, reel full of those. The, the short, clean right hook. Yeah, he like, he like he steps through it and catches you with it at half point and just goes through you with it. Which, talking about shooto fighting, I, I knew this was going to happen uh, in the Anthony Smith fight. Yep, yep. I, I, I just knew it was going to happen. I, I in, in my heart, I was like, Anthony Smith is going to win the first round. Yeah, and it's one of those. I'm right there with you. As soon as I heard that that was set and it was confirmed in my heart of hearts, I was like, no, why would you sign up for that? Shogun, don't do it. Don't do it. Well, no, Anthony Smith, another guy who they've – I mean, they've, this has already been said, but when he was fighting at 185, that, that's too big of a weight cut. I'm pretty sure Anthony, uh, Anthony Smith walks around at 230. Yep. Yep. And you, know, you saw. Who, what was it? Who, who did he fight? Rashad Evans. Yeah, he, he retired Rashad. Literally, Rashad yeah. got out of there yeah, yeah, and said that night he would rather never fight again than have to fight someone as strong as Anthony again. And uh, did you see the look on Rashad's face after uh, he knocked out uh, Hua? Yeah. Rashad had his look on his face and was like, I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah, like I told you guys, like you see what happened there. That's why I quit. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, Anthony Smith was on his is on his game. You know, he's on a, he's on a he's on his ride right now. He's on a, in a stroll. Like uh, going, if if he gets to fight against one uh, of Gustafson's out, so that fight's not happening. Yep. But if he would have fight Gustafson. Uh, that would have been a great fight. That know? would have been very uh, interesting, man. That's that's a, a real close call. Fight a guy bigger than you, who's had championship experience, who probably actually should have beat John Jones, but the judges well, the Jones. You know what I mean? Uh, well, and well, but the opposite side of that, Gus is really set in his ways. Like, granted, he trains differently every camp, but his fighting style is the same now as it was ten years ago. Smith no, is that new school up and comer. Everything is fast switch. Everything is step off. Everything is one two with an off combo. Nothing is standard. Nothing traditional. I think stylistically, he's going to be a problem. Yeah. I think realistically, he's going to be a problem for a lot of guys that are in that old school mindset like Gus is. No, I mean, that would have been a great fight to watch. And that would have been uh, the week after next. You know what I mean? Yep. yep. Like, oh, man, that would have been a great fight. Yeah, the money I'd have paid to be ringside for that fight. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding, brother. No kidding. So that realistically, one. that's all the Hamburg that I even really feel like talking about. Like those two, the coma and the main. Um, oh yeah. From there, we can jump straight into this last weekend in Calgary. And I know that you said you didn't get to catch it, but the opening fucking fight, Nina Ansaroff versus Random Marcos. 
I think that very much like we were talking about a minute ago with the uh, Nurmaga Medoff fight, I think that had a lot to do with the name power more so than it did the actual fighting power because I watched that fight. That was the last card that I watched this afternoon, game prepping to make sure all my thoughts were still on point. And Randa Marcos was more aggressive. She had more control. She had more striking. But for whatever fucking reason, they gave it to Ansaroff. Yeah, and then the first fight I saw on that card, because we were supposed to do a podcast uh, that day, uh, was yep. the Dustin Ortiz fight. Yep. And I, and I caught the, uh, the, the, the back end of that fight and watched Dustin Ortiz lay a fucking nice head kick and get a nice finish, uh, which was very impressive. And it, yes. that just shows yeah. the skill set of that wrestler. I'll say it just like that, that wrestler, because everybody knows Justin Ortiz is the take you down and ground and pound you until he wins the fight, but... Well, they did previously. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Papa got a brand new bag now. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. No, but then speaking of wrestling... Uh, That's right. Going Next. to Alexander the Great versus Oban Mercier. That's right. The very next fight, the Canadian gangster steps in against Alexander the Great and holy shit, talk about a wrestler showing off a skill set that doesn't involve wrestling while using his wrestling the entire fight. I, I the Canadian I gangster, man. I got a question for you. I didn't catch the weigh-ins. Did, did you catch the weigh-ins? I did not. I, I know Mercier usually brings a gift to all of his opponents and most of his weigh-ins. He gives a gift. I was That's true. You saw, saw a gift he gave. But no, I didn't. I didn't even okay. think about that. That's a good point. That's besides the point, I suppose. That's just something I think is very interesting because he. I, uh, <laughs> I. I just think it's very classy of him. You know, like he's he's a well-rounded fighter who deserves to be in the top fifteen, and just he had the wrong fight. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, and, and to that same point, he's the guy that. Look at the vast majority of his fights in the UFC have almost all been short notice fights. He's one of those guys that when Dana says, Hey, we're fucked, somebody drops out, he went, I'm here. I, I got this. Like, where do you need me to be and what date do I have to be there? When do I need to be there for fight week? There's no doubt this dude lives for fighting. Like, he's in great shape. He has a phenomenal physique. But yep. then during this fight, if you look across the, the, the octagon, you found somebody who was in better shape and who had a better physique. Yeah, that dude was just a little and, hungrier, and you could tell they both wanted it. But man, never, was never fucking Alexander! Guy, never am I a guy to be like, oh, that guy's that guy looks stronger. He's gonna win the fight. Yeah, you know what I mean. But in this case, it that was that was the case. The guy that looked better won the fight, but he won the fight through his skills, not just by being a better athlete. Absolutely, and it was one of those like it wasn't ever a one-sided fight like it went back and forth the entire duration because both of those dudes are so fucking skilled that neither one could ever really truly dominate the other it was just who had the advantage at that particular moment nope i agree and uh, like i was talking to you earlier if you blinked during this fight positions change like you mercy is on top and then you blinked and you're like how the hell are you on the bottom? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and that's exactly what I mean, is that there was never any pure domination by either fighter. They were both so equally matched in both, you know, or in all of their skill sets, rather, when they were going head-to-head, -head, that it was just a constant teeter-totter. And it was entertaining as hell to watch. No, absolutely. It was a great fight. That was a fight that if you've never seen – if that was your first fight – that you ever watched in the UFC, then you're going to be like, holy shit, like, is this every fight? Like, do these guys go back and forth like this? Yeah, no shit. If that was your first one, that would definitely make you a fan of fighting, in my opinion. Or of the UFC, yeah. rather. No, true. I mean, or fighting in general. I mean, it's... I've met a lot of people who... I put it this way. I've been to a lot of bars where people don't know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Watching the fights. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, guys uh, who think they know fighting. All you hear is, kick him, me. No. <laughs> but they don't know what a proper switch is or shit. They don't even know what a wizard is. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, but 
I'm going on a tangent again. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're all good, dude. You're all good. But speaking of holy shit fights, following the Canadian gangster, we had the return of the boogie woman versus the tiny tornado. Holy shit. You want to talk about an unpredictable fight. Yeah, and that, that fight was back and forth. The whole time, and even DC said multiple times that he couldn't believe Torres was making Joanna clinch. Joanna spent the majority of the fight trying to get out of the clinch and break away and hit. And then when Torres started really, really laying it on, Joanna started instigating clinches just to grapple, not even to get a knee or a, a position change. I feel like if that was a five-round fight, Torres might have been able to pull it off. Even, even I completely won, agree. Even though Joanna won the three-round fight unanimously, I feel like if that was a five-round fight, that would have been a different fight. Well, and to that point, I feel like had that been a crew of three ex-fighter judges rather than the three judges we got, that would have been a Torres victory as well. Yeah. She had Joanna in trouble several times throughout that fight, but Joanna would make the one big flashy moment and it would win her the round. But I yep. think if we had some fighters or referees even that were judging that fight and saw how many times Torres would hurt her and then step back to keep from that desperate Joanna switch catcher, I, I think Torres won that fight realistically. No, I, I agree uh, 100%. Especially in the third round, it was really showing that Torres was the fresher fighter. Oh, yeah, and the the, crisp, the crisper striker at that point as well, too. Ioana just literally started looking sloppy like she was falling apart at the seams. Pretty much. I'm, okay. I'm, excited, about I'm excited about this next fight because I thought it was going to go a different way. So, uh, 100%, I, thought, I, I thought all that was going down. My wife came home and walked in, and I've got this going on my computer. I've got it going on my TV. I've got, you know, <laughs> updates going on my phone. Like, I'm watching every watch. aspect of these fights. <laughs> my wife comes in as this fight starts, and, you know, she's not paying attention for the walkout. She doesn't give a shit about the music or the, the, the scorecards or, or the, uh, the tail of the tapes, rather. And then as the fight starts, she kind of like, oh, it caught her attention. And she sat down and started watching. And that fucking body shot, I watched her just go, wait. And about the time she said the word wait, <laughs> be neat. Jose fucking Aldo. Now, Connor might have fucked his head up for a hot minute. But I think but he he's is, shaking that out finally. I he is back. That Jose Aldo, and granted, as it happened, they called it and said that if Stevens tests Aldo's ego like Holloway did twice in a row, he'll stand and bang. And as they said that, he did it. But you saw him switch it up and that fucking body shot out of nowhere and the perfectly delayed oh, movement of Stevens' face Steven, Steven, crumbling. Crunched and then he goes, oh, and the undeniable it. liver shot, man. Oh. <laughs> uh, I don't know if anybody's ever been hit with a liver shot. I have. I have as and, well. It's uh, my wife immediately. Yeah, my wife immediately went, "Why did he stop like that?" And I went, he got hit in the liver. And she went, well, it looked like he just punched him in the body. And I went, no, no. A regular punch to the body would either be on a hard side or right up center. That was just offset enough. That one and the delayed timing of the er on his face, that was a liver shot. This makes me go back to uh, Bernard Hopkins versus Oscar De La Hoya. The stagger. De La Hoya got hit with a body shot. Same thing happened. Yep. He dropped to the, he dropped to the ground for the ten count. You know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten loses the fight. And about twelve, thirteen, fourteen, he was back up walking around, and that's all it takes. So you gotta think those fifteen seconds that Aldo put the fucking flurry on after 
all the toxins in your body are being expelled into you and you're paralyzed is yep. the word I would use. Yeah, oh, you're you're God. shut off without without the option to reboot, basically. Yeah, you your mind's going saying do this, do this, do this, and your body's going, Nope, nope, nope. Nope. Yeah, your body goes into turtle mode instantly, and you saw that yeah. as Stevens and it, they DC even called it as Stevens rolled over onto his belly without his hands up, just face down to the fucking canvas. That's when they jumped in, and they're like, "No, nah, yeah, dude, you, you're, you, that's, you're that's the position you can't be in." I mean, he had one hand; he had control of one hand. Uh, I feel like if if the referee wouldn't have stopped it, I feel like Stevens might have made a comeback, but. That's not what happened. You know what I mean? Uh, the, referee, I mean the referee saw enough. Yeah. I, I think there was definitely a potential if they would have let it go. But I think at the same time, it, at the angle that he jumped in to stop it, if he wouldn't have jumped in, as he rolled over onto his stomach, he left that whole side of his face open to Aldo with the other one against the canvas. So he had a clean shot to just be hammer-fisted straight down on. Two or three of those real quick from Aldo, and you're going to sleep when you're already laying against the floor. Absolutely. So I think the ref really saved Stevens from going to bed completely. That, that would be a great fight to see Ran back. I know that's not going to happen uh, because it's not good for either of their careers to, to run that back right now. Right. But that would right. be that would be a great fight to to, to be ran back and uh, to watch again. I agree. I agree. But realistically, I I it would have you would have to at least wait and do it again this time next year. And the way that this organization has been running, there's honestly no telling if Aldo's going to be here this time next year. True. You know, you never know what happens. Exactly. You never know if another company decides to throw some more money at your face and you switch, you switch lanes. And give you the option to let you take those Brazilian supplements that would make you big and beefy again without asking questions because there's no USADA <laughs> in other organizations. <laughs> Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> right, right. How do you do? How do you do? <laughs> no. That was, a great fight, it, it absolutely was a great fight. But speaking of gentlemen who uh, have changed their physique without their pre-USADA supplements, Eddie Alvarez versus Dustin Poirier, the runback, as we would say, was a hell of a fight unto itself. Oh, that was a great fight. That, that was definitely uh, – that's a fight I could watch over and over again. Well, and I think, ironically enough, as they showed the first fight in the, the intro before they came out to this fight, a lot of it really looked similar. And I know Eddie tried to talk all that shit about he gave up. No, he didn't, dude. He was putting it on Eddie's ass the first time. And then, sure enough – when they ran it back, he put it on Eddie's ass again. I really don't think it would be any different if we ran that one back a third time. I think we're going to get that same result, maybe not to that great of an extent, but I think Poye stops him again. It's just Eddie doesn't have what he used to have anymore. This fight, I know I already told you this, but I was the, the, the finishing sequence to this fight uh, my wife was like, you know, as I was yelling on the TV, she goes, you know, we can't hear you, right? <laughs> I get a lot and, of that. I understand. <laughs> and and uh, I'm yelling. Uh, he's got in the cage. I'm yelling, knees, knees. He grabs him by the neck and he throws two knees. Then like, I'm yelling, elbows, elbows, elbows. And then finally he throws that, well, he throws that head kick first and then he throws an elbow, which ended the fight. The, the head and, kick kind of. Uh, was a little unnecessary because it was sloppy and it went right over him. But I, I get where he was coming from with it. He, he was just trying to finish the fight, you know? Yeah, he was throwing something at him at that point. <laughs> and uh, but I'm yelling elbows for 10 seconds. And finally, he hits him with that, well, it was, I believe, a left elbow yeah. and drops him. And, uh, oh, man, that was that was a glorious finish. Like, like look, looking at Alvarez's face all busted and bruised and swollen, and the, the doctor's like, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm okay. This sucks. Like, <laughs> yeah, and he's just got blood running down. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And then, but then Poirier, uh, he was right. I mean, those last four fights have been against former champs, whether it's in the UFC or not. 
true. It's true. You know what I mean? And uh, I, th- I think he is enough to run. Should, should get a title shot. Uh, do I think he has enough to beat uh, Khabib? Probably, probably not. Uh, will it be a good fight? It'll be better than watching Ally Quinta get in the ring with Khabib. Right. Uh, that's for sure. Well, and the problem is, is that Dana has already said that Khabib and Connor is the next one to happen, which I agree it needs to because they should have realistically never taken that belt from Connor. So I True. agree that Connor versus Khabib, especially after the whole Dolly incident, that needs yeah. to happen next. That's beyond old blood grudge match. That has to fucking happen. But I well, think Khabib while that's Khabib happening, Khabib was in the bus like, "Let me out! I'm gonna go beat this oh, motherfucker." Oh no, he wasn't. Have you seen Al Iaquinta's uh, video? Al Iaquinta was on uh, Instagram Live when that happened. Guess who oh, no was shit. directly over his shoulder? Oh, well, Khabib said otherwise. No, there's video, brother. Google it after we get done here. Al Iaquinta is sitting with his phone here, and he, like, pans so you can see Connor, and then he cuts back so you can see Al, and Al goes, ooh, and you see directly over his shoulder is Khabib and his cornermen. Khabib is fucking terrified, and his cornermen are hiding him human shield style. No shit. Khabib, yeah, he can talk all he wants. You can see the video. Khabib was fucking terrified. That's fantastic because I, I watched the interview with Khabib where he was like, like let me out. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? No, no. So what I think, I think just to make it that much more icing on the cake beautiful, on the Connor Khabib card, Dustin versus Tony for number one contender. Winner gets the winner of Khabib Connor. I, I see Tony winning that fight. But at the same time, how can you deny Tony? Tony was originally going for the belt against Khabib. He had the interim belt tripped during fight week. Yeah, and he's already, I mean, he's already almost back to ready. I, I, think, I think Tony and Dustin would be a good fight for a Khabib. Like, uh, maybe not a, maybe a co-main, you know what I mean? Like, That's what I'm saying. Make it the co-main of Connor and Khabib. Make it Dustin Tony. So it literally lines up, no matter how it shakes out, it lines up your next two to three winner fights. Gets winner gets winner, yeah, yeah, exactly. It lines your division fights up for you. Nobody has to talk shit to call the next fight. You already know what's happening based on how this turns out. But you don't know how contracts are written up, whether in your contract you get automatic run back. You know what I mean? Right, right. Very true. Very true. But no. I, that would be – logically, it makes sense as how it should be. I think it would be fun, if nothing else. And in a time where it seems like the WWE is very much or- yeah, orientated towards big draws and, and money draws and, you know, fun cards more so than legitimate rankings, I think that would be one of those stacks to help ensure that you're going to sell every single possible pay-per-view that you possibly can. No, I, I agree. I mean... Who wouldn't like? I, who wouldn't buy like if you if it was in your town or in a state next to you? Why would you not buy a ticket to that fight? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Oh man, this was fun. <laughs> well, I'm all I'm all amped up, ready for Saturday. <laughs> I was just gonna say, and now that we're both all worked up talking about fights, we're out of fights to talk about for the evening. So. I am going to try and put another one of these together and see if we can get a a bigger crew together so we can get maybe an early Saturday talk together about what's going on Saturday. But I I don't want to get too much into it just in case we can. But holy shit, Saturday's card is going to be insane as well. I'm right there with you. Right there with you. All right. So, Pike, I am going to say thank you for coming on here and talking some shit with me this evening. I had a great time. I, I really hope you did as well. Uh, yeah, anytime, let the people know where they can find you, man. Instagram, uh, P-I-K-E-S-K-A underscore M-S-M. Pikeska underscore M-S-M on Instagram. That's me. It's in a nutshell. Nothing, nothing too crazy. <laughs> Maybe some... Uh, if you follow Foos Vapes or know who that is, maybe you'll get some belly shots of me making fun of women <laughs> modeling. That's about it. <laughs> Guys with bellies. 
tooting their movies. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I'll make sure to drop the link for your, uh, your channel down there in the description form as well. But uh, we're going to call that off. Thank, Thank you again you, for coming on, brother. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we're calling that all for this evening, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, don't let ignorance stop you. You can root for anything. Have a great night, folks.